Hello ladies, I'm Sue Kramer and welcome to Craving Peace, which is a project of Praise and Coffee. I'm so glad that you're listening. This is the first time I have um, recorded one of these podcasts, so I'm pretty excited. Basically, this is a recording of my notes and all my information from week one of Craving Peace, the small group that has been meeting in my home. So I'm just going to jump right in and start sharing things. Um, My voice is a little funky because I have a cold and uh, getting over all the fun stuff of COVID and all that. So, all right, let's dive in here. Um, The first thing I want to say is that Craving Peace is a little different than other groups that you've maybe been a part of. So we won't be having any meal plans or schedules. There won't be weigh-ins, though we will want to share progress. But... It may not be about weight loss right away, okay? I expect you to have many light bulb moments that will open your eyes to areas in your life that you've never dreamed were connected to your health. I look forward to hearing things like, I am sleeping better. I have more joy, more hope, less anger. Um, there's healing in some of the relationships because of the things that we've talked about. I'm, I'm learning to forgive others. I'm letting go of grief and loss from rejection and less anxiety. I want to hear that, ladies. I want to hear about that. Basically, more of you and more peace to the point that you crave it because there's nothing like peace. Peace is contentedness, completeness. It's a state of wholeness and well-being. Peace is security. So the major difference with craving peace is you are your best advocate. If you want real change, you will need to become a student. You will need to do your own study to find out what will work for you. I am not here to fix anyone or to baby you through this process. I respect you far too much for that. We are unique and there is no perfect diet. There is no perfect timing, no perfect nutrition, no perfect profile or plan or perfect track ladies. There's no perfect rail to ride on. So you don't have to worry about going off the rails or into a ditch. When you fail or make a mistake or do something that you didn't want to set out to do, you don't have to spiral out of control anymore. A common pattern is to expect perfection. And then when that doesn't happen because no one is perfect, we abandon our goal. Have you been there, ladies? Have you been there where you're like, oh, i I blew it at lunch, and so I'm just going to go downhill. I'm going to start over tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into, I'm going to start over on Monday. I'm here to tell you, ladies, you can start over at 5 o'clock on a Thursday. You can. You can make the choice to say, no, I may have done that, but I'm going to learn from that. We're going to learn how to look at it different, how to catch ourselves, how to evaluate, how to stop with the all-or-nothing mentality and refocus so we can become the person we want to be and reflect ourselves, who we are, into this world in a way that glorifies God and brings joy to ourselves and others. We're going to focus on recovery, growth, and maintenance, not perfection, because there is no perfect. Seeking perfection only results in suffering. Every failure is a lesson. I have failed so many times as a parent, and I never once thought I should just give up and forget it. You know, we adopted Lauren from China. I, uh, adopting a two-year-old who doesn't really know you or like you is a little rough. 
And there were some really um, hard patches through that. But you know what? I didn't ever give up and say, forget it. We're going back and handing her in. I mean, I know that sounds awful, but as a parent of a child from China, I can say that. And you know what? We didn't do that. We would never do that. When your kids were learning to walk, they would stand and stumble and fall and they took steps and then they crawled for a few days and then they'd try to get up again. You never once looked at them and said, forget it. You're never going to learn. Just sit down. We'll carry you the rest of your life. <laughs> no. And just like that, we're not going to seek perfection. We're going to understand that we are all in different parts of this journey and all in our own way, we're going to do this. We're going to get off the roller coaster of dieting and exercise. Yo-yo dieting roller coaster is an endless ride that never lets us off. John 10, 10 says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Who's ready for a life that is full of vitality, a forever healthy lifestyle? It doesn't mean you will forever be perfect, but you're on a journey now. You don't have to worry about falling in the ditch on the side because you know what? You're on a journey and where your journey takes you, it's going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be messy. It's, it's going to be all sorts of things, but it's your journey no more falling off a ditch. You're still on your journey, okay? Dieting in and of itself is not beneficial in the long run. <clears throat> you just need to understand that. As weight loss programs, diets don't work. Yes, you may lose weight, but about 95% of the people who lose that weight by dieting will regain it in one to five years, and usually five to 10 more pounds. The deprivation of restrictive diets may lead to a diet overeat or a diet binge cycle. Your brain, your body, it doesn't want you to starve. So it responds to overly restrictive diets, especially low fat. Come on, anybody who went through that with me in the 80s where we would eat all low fat and then at night we would sit in front of the TV with a bag of licorice because <laughs> there's no fat in licorice, it's all good. Well, those kind of diets, were horrible to us. And they now know that. They didn't know that. It was like this giant experiment in the world of low-fat diets that they're now learning we need healthy fats. Anyways, extremely low-calorie, low-fat diets, they are not satiating. And what our body does and how our brain responds, because our brain doesn't want us to starve to death when all of a sudden we start dropping some weight, it will slow our metabolism, which of course makes it harder to lose weight. So if a diet doesn't take into account your blood sugar, you will have spikes and dips all day that will only increase cravings for more food. We're gonna get into all that, metabolic health. Fat diets can be harmful as they are usually also lack essential nutrients and often don't teach you about healthy eating and the nutrients that your body needs. Instead, they're pumping you full of added vitamins and minerals that are just junk. So when you complete this fad diet, you simply boomerang back to the unhealthy eating patterns that caused you to lose weight in the first place. This is yo-yo dieting, which can bring its own health problems in its wake because your body can only take so much of this. You constantly feel regret about food choices. It's not helpful. You get depressed and it doesn't work. It leads to guilt, which then leads to shame. So it goes from you just ate the wrong thing to you just are a failure. That's how guilt goes to shame. And it becomes part then of our identity. And that just is a, a horrible road to take. And we just want to give up. <clears throat> it's a vicious loop. 
diets don't work because often you're also eating foods that you generally don't enjoy and they don't make you feel full. So you're hungry all the time and you don't stick to it. There's no pill or powder that can replace nutrient dense foods, ladies. There's just not. And I understand that we are all different. You may need different bridges to get you to that path of a healthy lifestyle, but you don't need to spend hundreds of dollars a month on prepared foods or supplements to do this. You just don't. And what we see is generally that doesn't work for 95% of the people. If you're one of those 5%, God bless you. But in general, these just don't work. Diets don't deal with addiction issues. They don't deal with inner trauma. They don't deal with fears and identity crisis and boundary issues we have in our life. Diets don't deal with the emotional work that most of us need. The issue may not be what you're eating, but why you're eating. Being obese or overweight can be caused by so many things, including early life trauma. In one study of 286 obese people, half had been sexually abused as children. This also accounts for many people with autoimmune diseases. Um, in these cases, overeating and obesity weren't the central problem, but attempted solutions. A much larger study of over 17,000 people provided further documentation of the link between adverse childhood experiences un and unhealthy behaviors like smoking, drinking, and overeating, and mental, emotional, and even medical disorders later in life. We'll spend a lot of time in weeks four and five talking about addiction, so hold on to that um, thought. So if diets aren't the answer, what about exercising? Why is exercising not necessarily a long-term effective way to lose weight and keep it off? Well, first of all, let me just start with there is no question. Mild to moderate exercise is beneficial to our bodies. We are made to move and we have to keep moving if we want to keep moving. <laughs> we have to. A body in motion stays in motion. We've heard that commercial and you know what? It's very, very true. But exercise alone is not enough or even necessary to lose weight. You can't outrun a bad diet. And we, if you're exercising to lose weight and not changing any other behaviors, you'll have to maintain that level of exercise to keep that weight off, first of all, and you'll actually, actually have to increase your level of exercise because your metabolism will adjust to regulate to a new normal. See, our body has this um, thing called homeostasis, and homeostasis is about balance in our body. Our body wants a balanced blood sugar. It wants balanced blood pressure. It wants balance in everything. And, and while I, I think we need to think of it like uh, like a straight line, but in you know, no one's going to do a straight line. We're going to have ebbs and flows in in all of our things. So think of it as when you're at Lake Michigan, it's just a nice, beautiful, calm day. But there's still that ripple of waves coming up on the shore. That's kind of homeostasis. It's a balance, and that's what our body wants to continually get us back to. It's always trying to save us and help us. So the answer, as opposed to fad diets or over-exercising, is a nutrient-rich diet will help you lose weight. And mild to moderate exercise will breathe life into your cells, into your brain, into your organs, and your muscles. Doing it all at once will probably put you on a diet roller coaster, though. So we're going to take our time. We're going to figure out what is making our brain think the way it does. 
We're going to learn a whole lot about lifestyle changes and steady and balanced ways to get our body healthier and our minds healthier. And instead of giving up this time, we're going to use those mistakes as learning moments and building blocks to getting stronger. We're going to be curious. <clears throat> what? Why did I eat that? What was the trigger? You know, in a situation where we make mistakes, we're going to say, what went well here and what didn't go well here? You know, I stopped at five. I guess that's better than going to six. So we're going to enjoy the, the small victories. But what can I do differently next time? One of my favorite podcasts called Brain Over Binge says, we're always either winning or learning. And when we learn, we win more later. Ladies, the magic happens in our failures that we choose to learn from. So important. So let's start at the foundation. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a wise man <clears throat> who built his house on the sand. I'm sorry, a foolish man. <laughs> Back up. A foolish man builds his house on the sand. Verse 27 says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now think about this, ladies. Was the storm the problem? No. The same storm hit both houses. So what was the problem? The problem was the foundation. What that house was built on was the issue. I ask you, what is your life built on? What is your foundation? What is your health built on? Have you ever even thought about or focused on it? All right. I want to read that same verse from the Message Bible. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life or homeowner improvements to your standard of living. No, they are foundational words, words to build a life on. Now, side note, what are these words he's referring to? The words are from Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 and Matthew 7, filled with the meat of Jesus's teaching to us. The Sermon on the Mount, loving our enemies, giving, praying, trusting, the things that deepen our walk with him. Okay, so continuing, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. The rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. Verse 26, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. There it is, ladies. If you're just going to use these kind of words, God's words, Jesus' words, in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, we're like stupid carpenters. So we're going to talk about what does God say about all these things we're talking about. Week one this week, I'm telling you, it's it could be summed up in two words. Mirror work. We're going to look in the mirror, ladies. We're going to start examining who am I? And I actually want you to write that question in your notebook. Who am I? <clears throat> We're going to explore that. We can work on changing habits, but lasting change 
comes with defining our identity, defining who we are, and then deciding if you need to redefine parts of who you have been as you discover who you want to be. Who you believe you are, ladies, is the foundation of who you are. I want you to think about that. Belief is powerful. We're going to really get into that right now. Who you believe you are is the foundation of who you are. It's your identity. Your brain trusts your belief in who you are. And like I said earlier, our brain is constantly wanting to help us. There's that primal part of our brain that is is very much about protecting us and surviving. And and we're going to talk a lot about that, okay? Your brain trusts your belief in who you are. And your brain is constantly looking for proof of your identity, of who you are. Your brain will continually try to help you fulfill what you believe your identity is and especially what you say about yourself. So if you say, I'm so stupid, your brain is continually looking for proof of that and trying to convince you in all different ways that yes, in fact, you are stupid. Okay, take that in a minute. Other things that we tell ourselves, I'm not strong enough to avoid the wrong foods. I could never give up sugar, flour, seed oils. We'll get into all that. I can't do it. As you say those things, especially based on the belief in those statements, your brain is trying to fulfill that version of you because it's trying to help you. So your brain is showing you proof of it everywhere you go, everything you see, and it's amplifying what you believe about yourself. For an example of how your brain does this, think about when you're buying a new car. For me, I was when I got my, my latest car, I knew I, I wanted a Ford Explorer, I just love them, and I was looking for a particular color. It's the color, It's I always say it's the mixture of wine, coffee, and chocolate. And it's kind of that burgundy brown color. Well, they didn't have any in our area. So they actually had to bring one in from a Detroit um, car dealership. And I'll tell you, once I got focused on wanting this car, everywhere I looked, I saw that color car. And I was like, where have all these cars come from? Like, how are they everywhere now? They're all different brands and all different styles. But that color jumped out at me everywhere I went. You know why? I had alerted my brain to the fact that that color car was important to me. So my brain was trying to help me by showing me that color car everywhere I went. Isn't that crazy? I I hope you can relate to that. Our brain is so wonderfully created that it's constantly working to help us. And the thing about this is that can work for us or against us. The beautiful thing about that is we can choose, ladies. Let's talk a minute about limiting beliefs. Limiting beliefs, sometimes called self-limiting beliefs, are assumptions and learned beliefs that restrict us and inhibit growth and change. Okay, these beliefs that we carry... They can be formed at any point in our life, but usually they begin early on when our perspective as a child is limited. Sometimes self-limiting beliefs are even handed down from generation to generation. They can stop us from being the person that we can be, and they can be very difficult to overcome without the right tools. Think of of, uh, friends of mine I have who are saying, well, I'm Italian, we just lose our temper easy. That's a limiting belief. You have just put yourself in a box. 
to not be free. You know, you don't have to live that way. So <clears throat> how exactly are these thoughts formed? A lot of times these take root in our life when number one, we experience some sort of pain. Number two, then our brain draws conclusions about how to prevent this pain from occurring again because our brain is always trying to help us. The third thing happens is a self-limiting belief is born. Example, I can't say no to people. That could be stemming from thoughts like of, I said no to someone and they got mad. It could be stemming from a pain of, I said no and that person was so upset with me, they're not, they didn't like me anymore, they're going to reject me, they're, I won't be included anymore. Um, important things won't get done. People will get mad at me. So our brain is saying, you can't say no because you'll be rejected. You'll be left alone. And our brain doesn't like that idea. That survival part of our brain doesn't like that idea. It knows we need connection. It goes all the way back to knowing we need a tribe because if we're not protected by a tribe, we're going to be eaten by saber-toothed tigers because we're out there alone in the wild. The primitive, oldest part of our brain is programmed for connection. It's programmed for protection to keep us from being destroyed, to keep us surviving. And it knows that when there's no connection, it's dangerous for us. So do you see that sense of it trying to protect us? Do you see that primal brain concern of being left out of the tribe? And so if I say no to someone, I'm in big trouble, okay? It meant absolute death in primitive times to be left out of the tribe, to be disconnected. So in other words, <clears throat> limiting beliefs can be rooted or founded in our brain's desire to survive. There's actually been proof, <coughs> excuse me, of studies done where people who are like deathly afraid of trains or train whistles, they find out that their great, 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 great grandfather was actually run over by a train or hit by a train and it imprinted into their brain so much that it generationally passed down because the brain is trying to protect us. And it said, you need to avoid trains. You need to, you hear that whistle, get out of the way. I mean, it's just fascinating the way God created us. The more I study and learn about the brain and our neuroplasticity and understanding how we can change these, these thought patterns, I can't help but see the hand of God, the fingerprint of God all over us. And we're going to discuss a lot more about brains in, our, um, in this study. And it's all going to come back to this amazing verse in Psalm 139. Verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Oh, God is so good, ladies. So back to some limiting beliefs. Some examples that we will talk about are, I'm not strong enough to stand against temptation. I will never be able to give up sugar. I don't like to cook or prepare food. I hate exercising. I hate moving. I hate getting outside. This is too hard. It's not a battle worth fighting. It's in my genes to be unhealthy. Everyone in my family had type 2 diabetes. This is just genetic. It's all about the relatives I had and everything. It's, it's, it's just in me. First of all, let me have a side note to tell you that type 2 diabetes, I don't care what happened in your family, it's reversible. In 90-some percent of people, it is reversible. There may be those few people who have a genetic disposition 
that they're going to have to have medications and they're going to have to work through it differently. But I'm telling you, most everyone can reverse type 2 diabetes. So the gene issue doesn't is probably not going to work. Another limiting belief, I will never get past the hurt of my past and be able to overcome the addictions I have in my life. I turn to food because it makes me feel good and I need that comfort. And if I don't get that comfort, I won't get through my days. These are limiting beliefs, ladies. But we can choose new beliefs at any time. We may need to ask ourselves with these limiting beliefs, what do I gain from having these limiting beliefs? There may be some benefit in this that I haven't realized I had. Such as if I say I could never quit sugar. Well, guess what that benefit is? I get to keep eating sugar. I get to comfort myself momentarily with sugar because I have decided and I believe I could never quit eating sugar. Maybe it's that that sense of community with people um, is wrapped around uh, the way that we eat. We go out with certain friends and it's pasta night, it's dessert day, whatever it is. So if we quit eating sugar, we're going to lose those friendships. And so the benefit of eating that way is I keep my friendships. However, ladies, where has this gotten you? You know, where has this gotten you? There are ways to get around these things. Or maybe I'm no good at exercising or meditating or praying. And so the benefit is I don't have to do it. Because I don't really know how to pray. I don't really know how to do that. Summing it up, limiting beliefs often come in with a built-in comfort zone. We're going to get past those. We're going to get past those. We're going to debunk those comfort zones, okay? Overcoming limiting beliefs. Ladies, you can't rewrite your story. It is your story. And I say, own it. Own it all. However, you can reframe your story in your mind and you can create new beliefs that rewire your brain for success and not for failure. Romans 8, 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. You can rewire your mind against despair for, and rewire it for hope. You can rewire your mind for joy instead of depression, for life and not death. You can. You can't rewrite your story. It was your story. It is your story. But you can take back your story and say, I am making changes now and I am moving forward in a new direction. How? By starting with your foundation. John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Verse 27 says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Number one, start with asking the Holy Spirit to show you, to reveal to you the limiting beliefs that have kept you from growing and becoming the woman he wants you to be, which is a happy, healthy, peaceful woman. Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Ladies, this is going to be a deep work. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it might get a little painful. Thinking about where your ideas have come from, all these belief systems you have set up, it can be hard. But we're going to do this. We're going to do this with God. 
The Holy Spirit is going to help you and we're going to support one another. So one thing, I'm going to give you some homework and then we're going to get into a few things, a few more things before we close out this podcast. Here's your homework. I want you to spend some time thinking about limiting beliefs. So I want you to take your notebook. And for each limiting belief, I want you to write five things for each one, okay? And then I'm going to give you an example after I give you these five things. The first one, you're going to write down the limiting belief, okay? The second one, you're going to write down the fear behind that belief. The third one, you're going to write down the consequence of this belief. The fourth You're going to write down, what does the Bible say about this belief? You're going to come up with a verse from the Word of God. You can use Google. You can go to BibleGateway.com. You find a verse that somehow applies to your situation in this limiting belief. And then, number five, you're going to write out a prayer or an affirmation. Okay? This, ladies, is where the rubber meets the road. You're going to do the work. That's how you're going to find your healing and your hope and your way out of an unhealthy lifestyle. So the example I have for this is number one, your limiting belief. Let's say, I am afraid I won't be strong enough to say no to temptation. That's your limiting belief. Number two, the fear behind that is that I will fail and I will be a failure. Number three, the consequence of believing that I'm afraid and won't be strong enough to say no to temptation is that I will be unhappy, I'll be depressed, I'll never lose the weight, and I'll never get healthier. All right, number four, the verse I'm going to use for that is, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That could probably work for almost all of your limiting beliefs. However, you find one that speaks to you. It may be Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him, and in all your ways he'll direct your path. Maybe that's your verse. Whatever your verse is, nothing is impossible with with God. Whatever your verse is, write that verse down. And then the fifth thing, your affirmation, which could be an affirmation or a prayer. In this situation, I'm going to use an affirmation. And I say, I trust the work God is doing in my heart, and he will give me the strength that I need. Okay? If it turns into a prayer of, God, help me. Help me not to be afraid. Help me to be strong enough and say no to temptation. The affirmation is very, very important, probably the most important, because it will be our new belief that we create and solidify in our minds. And we, we um, just really make that a strong belief. Here's the kicker, ladies. A very important part about this is authenticity. For this to be effective, for that affirmation to take root in your heart, you have to have an authentic and believable affirmation. You have to believe it. You have to know it's true. You can't lie about it. You know, you can choose to walk by faith when it comes to the verse, but you have to be honest with yourself about what you can believe right now with your affirmation. Because guess what? Your brain is not fooled if you lie to it. You can stand there and say, I will never say no to temptation again. I will never say no to temptation again. And you can repeat it 20 times over. Guess what? Unless you believe that, it will not work. It will not really be affirming because you'll never believe it at all. So think about that when choosing your affirmation. What can you believe right now? Because whatever you believe about yourself 
your body believes too and responds accordingly. Okay? Your body won't believe you if you say, I'll never fail again. I'll never eat sugar ever again the rest of my life. Do you believe that? If you can believe that, great. I can't even believe that. I don't know anybody that can believe that. But I can tell you like right now, I could say I'll never do math. Like I can believe that. So my body would believe that. My brain would believe that. We know I'm not going to do math. So it's all about your belief. Where are you at? And you just may need to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me believe bigger. Or you can pray. You could, your prayer could be, God, your word says whatever it says. And then say, help me believe or strengthen me. Your word says that nothing's impossible. God, help me believe. Strengthen me. Or I believe you are with me, God, and that I'm getting stronger as I learn to trust you more. That's a beautiful affirmation. I believe you are with me, God, and that I'm getting stronger as I learn to trust you more. You have to believe your affirmation or your brain and your body won't either. Lying is not walking by faith, ladies. It's just not. Trust is built. Trust grows. Learn. Meet God exactly where you're at. He will meet you right there. What can you believe him? Remember, it's that mustard seed of faith is all it takes. And then it grows. Trust in God and growing trust forms a sturdy foundation on which to build a healthy lifestyle. You can do this, ladies. All right. I'm going to read you a couple more verses. John 16:33 says, "I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace." We are craving peace, aren't we? Jesus said, "I've told you these things so you can have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world." All right. One, another verse, and this is the sum-up verse of this whole podcast. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 out of the Message Bible. Here's what it says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. Oh my goodness, ladies. Rewind and play that over again, over and over and over and over again. We don't want to become so well-adjusted to our culture that we fit in without even thinking. The way we're talking in this craving piece, it's going to take rowing upstream. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take you engaging in this process. But I believe you can do it. We can retrain our brains and we can strengthen ourselves spiritually, emotionally, physically by leaning into God for this. We can do hard things, ladies. You are not alone. God is with you and now we have each other also. Successful people have learned that the key to success 
is delaying gratification. That is, and I realized I just kind of opened a huge thing right there. Um, I had that in my notes and I actually wasn't going to share that until later. But it is a great key. It is a great little note. Think about it. Delaying gratification is a powerful tool that you can use to say, I will later, um, I will make this decision now that is hard, that feels hard, because later I want the benefit of what it's going to bring me tomorrow. And I've done that many, many times when I'm changing behaviors and I think like I'm really tempted, I'm really feeling temptation strong to eat something wrong or say something wrong. I think, how will I feel about this tomorrow? <laughs> It'll probably cause you to change the way that you react or the, the, the actions that you take because if you know tomorrow you're going to regret this, that's what success is all about. That is power. That is really an awesome thing to do. So anyways, that is the podcast for this week. Um, in the meantime, go to, uh, I will be putting a lot of information on our Craving Peace Facebook page. So you can find that just by searching it on Facebook pages. Um, like that page, follow that page, put it in your whatever so you see it come up. If you like certain things on there, different posts, it will make it come up more in your feed. Um, always praise and coffee the, the Facebook page. I put out a lot of inspirational stuff. I try to keep the, the food and the healthy eating on Craving Peace and then praise and coffee is... Um, more just inspirational information. And then always go back to our website, praiseandcoffee.com. Check that out. I'll try to keep that updated too. I, I write articles on that blog sometime and want to keep um, writing more and more. So thank you for listening along. If you enjoyed this, please um, share it with a friend. Feel free and uh, let me know. Give me some feedback. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful day, ladies.